for several years, I was a serial mistress, and this is my tell-all. Hi, this is Shaking Sheets, the podcast about sexism and always sexy, and I'm the host, Orla. On this episode, we're discussing infidelity, the stats around why we stray and how, and what my time in infidelity has taught me in a second. The first man to see me naked was married, had been for a long time, and I knew that going into our relationship. I was 19, jaded in love, still very traumatized about my rape, and looking to put myself out there again. The circumstances around our union was strange across the board. I met him on a date nap, catered to kinky folks looking to connect with friends and potential partners. He responded to an ad I'd put out looking for a dom interested in someone, you know, relatively new to the lifestyle with a lot of interest, and he made conversation with me. I knew within our first few exchanges that he was married, yet when he suggested we meet up at a coffee shop in Chelsea, I agreed. I can bore you with the details, but to get to the climax, I pursued a relationship with him for years. One, I'm willing to admit, was happy for the most part. My relationship with monogamy has always been contentious, to say the least. If there was any backing to social learning theory, I should have been the poster child. You know, there was a two-parent household with no infidelity, a religious background that was doused in purity culture, misogynistic brothers that reminded me I belonged to one man while egregiously cheating on every partner in a 10-mile radius. I was expected to get with the program. Except I think a lot of that program required me to be a perfect cishet little lady (laughs) looking to get into heaven, which was quite the opposite of reality. Since I could remember, I had very little attachment to monogamous relationships. The little pervert in me always wondered why the protagonists of my favorite books and movies didn't just choose both the men instead of one, and the queer in me found myself crushing on guys and their girlfriends. When it came time for my own sexual and romantic debut, I was very much into the idea of sharing the love. Some of this was also compounded by third wave feminism. You know, the idea of sex positivity was intoxicating to me and seemed to encourage sowing my oats, if you will. I just happened to plant seeds in other people's gardens. And before I discuss that in heavier detail, I want to lay some numbers on you, because as luck would have it, infidelity is a well-researched corner of human behavior. According to a study conducted by the General Social Survey, over 90% of Americans find infidelity immoral, yet 30-40% to have had extramarital affairs. One could leave this data open for some interpretation because I've found the definition of infidelity is very subjective, but assuming we're following the Merriam-Webster version, which is A, the act or fact of having a romantic or sexual relationship with someone other than one's husband, wife, or partner, or B, unfaithfulness to a moral obligation, C, disloyalty, then for every hundred couples, in 40 of them, someone has dipped their toes in another pond. And that says a lot, not just about the state of infidelity, but about the state of monogamy. People cheat for a lot of reasons. You know, some cite sexual disinterest in their partners, seeking emotional connections and releases, or simply revenge after being cheated on themselves. To be honest, to most, um, there's not a good reason to cheat, so the why is a bit inconsequential, but I find myself more interested in that aspect. 
The Health Testing Center found in a study that the likelihood of a partner admitting to infidelity goes down exponentially after a month. So from 47% to 25.7%, meaning if they don't confess within a month, they're likely to never do so. Those numbers aren't tiny, meaning more people are operating in relationships with infidels than you'd imagine. The numbers skew even more depending on the severity of the relationship. You know, that same research showed people are much more likely to come forward about infidelity in dating rather than marriage, 52% versus less than 30, which tells us dishonesty is baked into the marriage pie a bit more. And I think it's safe to say that's because marriage has a sense of finality to it, that dating doesn't, and the stakes seem higher when you're legally bound to someone. But also a lot can be said for how your society views marriage. The Pew Research Center did a huge international study and found infidelity was the most egregious offense in Asian and African nations, while considered much less offensive in Europe. France was the only country in the study with an even number of participants who found infidelity acceptable and immoral, while the Czech Republic was the only country with respondents more agreeable to affairs. <laughs> what's in the water over there, y'all? Spill the tea, what's up? <laughs> like, for real, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just saying maybe I get a little less hate for what I was doing in Europe. But on a serious note, the time I spent as a mistress had little to do with my personal relationship with fidelity, but more so with the world. I spent childhood and adolescence feeling denied huge parts of my humanity. You know, people got to tell me all the time about my race, my gender, my sexuality, the whole gamut. And by that age, I felt due for like a late teenage rebellion of sorts. Like if I'm supposed to be straight, I'll be the least amount of straight as possible. Or if I'm supposed to keep my legs closed, I'll open them all the time. It was an immature response to my angst surrounding the world. But even in that space with that rebellion, I found love, which is funny because an episode came out recently where I shit on the whole idea. Um, but when I reflect on times, I feel I loved someone. This man who we'll call Isaac comes to mind. Um, we were very sexually compatible. Our kinks had a lot of overlap and he provided a really safe space for me to explore desires. You know, aside from that, he made me feel seen. He was decades my senior and didn't try to act like he wasn't, but he was also very empathetic. He didn't make me feel like a hot mess. And even when we both knew I was, he didn't act like it was a bad thing. As odd as it may sound to people, he made me feel comfortable with the idea of growing up, not in a paternal way. That man was doing ungodly things to my body, but in a making space for my chaos kind of way. His transparency is one of the reasons I had admired him in the first place. You know, when I met him, not only did he have a wife, but he also had a girlfriend much closer in age to him, who he'd been with for years. And according to him, I was the only one who knew about everyone. I was the chamber of secrets. And we see that checks out, too, in the numbers. Uh, another study done by Health Testing Center um, found that 76% of respondents stated they discussed their past affairs with new partners as opposed to the ones that they cheated on. So for once, being the last one in isn't really a bad thing. And I know he could sense that in me, that I was somehow grateful to be in the loop about his relationships because it made me feel closer to him. But it also absolved me of a lot of guilt. For a long time, it felt silly to put onus on myself for commitments I hadn't made. I feel differently about that now that I've matured a bit, but at the time, it insulated me from the worst of those feelings. And to make matters more complicated, I never felt like I was losing much being his mistress. We could still go out, 
I had access to him during the day, only Saturdays and Sunday mornings were off limits. I knew his friends, for fuck's sake, because they all had mistresses too. It was a bit like a secret society. You know, you could be seated across a table of six or eight of us and think we were regular couples, when in reality we were all living in these fragmented chunks of time. You know, delicately planned hours allocated to the whores, basically. It's (laughs) wild looking back. And as our relationship continued and evolved, I got more invested in him emotionally, but less so sexually. There was no expectation of monogamy for me, so I was continuing to date and play elsewhere for the bulk of our relationship. I had an additional dom and boyfriend who did everything he could to thwart me and Isaac, despite being engaged himself. Me smells a hypocrite. (laughs) And it was in pursuance of these additional relationships when I really began taking stock of the role I was playing in this lengthy lie. My growing discomfort was illuminated on a really bad mental health day when I needed my primary partner, you know, my favorite person to tell me I'd be okay and he just wasn't available. It was definitely a low point for me and one that highlighted another quirk of mistressy, which is people's view of infidelity directly correlates to their view of your happiness. Like, if your friends and families have strong views on cheating, they will readily consent to things going poorly for you. There's no, you can't help who you love, or you'll find your way back to each other pep talks. No one sides with you after an argument because they just offer telling you that you shouldn't be with them in the first place. When you try to talk about being hurt by an incident or behavior, you get told that's basically what you deserve. It's very isolating, and sometimes I don't think men experience that on the same level. Like, if you even take the memory that I was referencing earlier as an example, I knew a slew of his friends who all regarded me well, they treated me kindly, but I could never see that happening with a group of women. This isn't an endorsement for women to start supporting each other's wrongs and side dues, but this is to say our loyalty to values tends to trump our loyalty to people um, more than it does with men. The year I spent, years I should say, I spent in this relationship with Isaac were precarious and lonely, but also very romantic and tender. He treated me with such tenderness, and I realized towards the end of our affair that he didn't have the market on that behavior. I could find tenderness in other people, people I wouldn't be helping deceive partners. I spent years teaching sex ed in schools, and I realized I was breaking one of my own cardinal rules, which is sexual health coming first. The longer I thought about how risky it was for him to be fucking and sucking outside of his marriage, the more empathy I found myself deploying for his wife. We seek relationships for security, a place to rest our heads and hearts, and the idea of being vulnerable with someone and it being met with deceit, you know, is really shitty. I also felt increasingly uncomfortable with how intimately I knew the women in his life. There's a blog post that speaks about this shameless plug on shakingsheets.com titled A Few Too Many. You should check it out. But it gives examples of the amount of information that was accessible to me about his partners. I felt as much a part of them as I did a part of him. And I didn't need to be a genius to know that that was a violation of their privacy and trust. You know, I was an interloper who needed to be kicked off the ship, essentially. We broke up soon thereafter. It wasn't like a big deal. It was one of the most amicable splits I've had to this day, but it was by far one of the hardest as well. This man gave me so much in terms of confidence and love and acceptance. You know, leaving him felt like leaving better parts of me behind. And I think about him often. 
you know, I wonder if his wife or girlfriend ever found out hope in some pathetic way um, that he thinks of me sometimes. You know, affairs are complicated like that. Considering all that I've learned about myself from that time, I vowed to be better when I ventured back out into the dating world. I did well for a while, but on occasion, kind of like an addiction, you know, I'd slip up. Although I'd like to say they'd be fine of me because just last year, I had finally hopped back on the dating apps. I had set my intentions very clearly. I even filtered my settings to only show non-monogamous people. And the first man I actually vibe with had a girlfriend. He wrote me in with the we're monogamish thing before coming clean that in between unicorn hunting, um, he steps out on his girlfriend. And I was fucking devastated. I mean, this was the first time I'd liked a guy in what seemed like forever. You know, he was funny and cute in the nerdy way I like men and understood my brain because he too was neurodivergent. He checked off all the items on my wish list except for being single or in an ethically non-monogamous relationship. So I did the mature thing and broke things off. On a weekend that felt like a, you know, the cusp of growth or slide back. If I hadn't done it then, I knew I was liable to sleep with him and be back in the place I was five years ago, which was no good for me. I'll admit I cried for a good two hours that weekend because it felt like the universe was playing cruel tricks on me. And my religious trauma convinced me I was being forever punished because of my previous harlot behavior. It was a low point, definitely. Um, but one that I'm glad I had because it proved or provided real proof that I'd evolved, you know, that I could look past my own self-interest and be better. I miss romance sometimes. You know, I miss being gazed upon lovingly and held in a special place in someone's heart. But I can wait for that day to return if it means doing it in a way that honors all of the parties involved. You know, the next time I attach myself to someone, they'll understand that I'll likely never want to be monogamous and they should feel the same way. You know, that I find their affection no cheaper when shared with other people. Sometimes that feels like a fool's endeavor. But then I remember that it's possible, and I've seen it with my own eyes, that I'm not the only person in the world to dream of alternate relationship structures, and I wouldn't be the first to achieve them. And maybe someday soon, I'll be on here waxing poetic about my polycule. <laughs> so stick around, because you might hear some crazy shit. And that was another episode of Shaking Sheets. We discussed infidelity, what I gained from being a mistress, and the larger status of monogamy as a whole. As always, follow the socials at Shaking Sheets on all platforms, except for Twitter, where the Winter Soldier is holding it hostage, and there is an additional S at the end of Sheets. Go ahead and head over to the blog as well, shakingsheets.com, the blog decided all. Until next time, my lovers and others, keep calm, and please don't send me hate mail. <laughs>